0: I'm sorry, I had the turntable at the wrong speed. Welcome to the Longo Combo, where changing your mind is valued. We're your hosts, Megan and Justin Longo, and we want to share our journey through topics new and old to find out how we can be more open minded and update our beliefs based on new information. Our goal is to help people see that changing your mind should be celebrated and not demonized, all the while giving you a dose of what it's like to live in a household where an open mind is cherished.
1: So we're here with Anaf Kalam, our friend, Anaf, who we've been previewing uh, for several episodes now. This is a big, big podcast for us because we've talked about a lot of changes on this podcast and how we've changed our mind, Meg and I, on various topics, but there are a few changes a person can make that are more significant and have farther, farther reaching consequences than making a change on religion. So I want to thank... Our friend enough for coming by. Thank you, Enough for for getting personal today. I know it's a big deal. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me.
1: We're really happy that you're here, and uh, we're gonna go through your story. And uh, so, the story begins as a young child. Uh, little enough, you were in a in a family that was practicing Islam. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I uh,
2: still am in that family. All <laughs> um right. Yeah, I uh, my family is from Bangladesh. Um, they came to the United States about 1989, 1990, um, moved to Denver in 94, which is the year that I was born. Um, I grew up Muslim for basically most of my life up until I was about 20,
1: 1920. Um, yeah, so, it was... So, uh, uh, the... The Islam that your your family practices was a particular kind. What kind of what brand?
2: Um, they my family is actually thankfully pretty moderate. Uh, they're of the Sunni sect, which is the mainstream. Probably like ninety percent of the world's Muslims are Sunni. Uh, the rest are Shia, which mainly is people in Iran. Did
1: you grow up going to your version of you know church or temple or?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I've i been to the mosque God knows how many times. Um, you know, it's tradition for Muslims during the month of the holy month in Islam of Ramadan. Uh, basically every night, just go to the mosque, pray and break your fast together. Um, I Yeah, years and years of doing that.
1: So as a child, was this something that just seemed normal to you? Like never thought about it? Was it something that you internalized and believed in your own
2: heart or was it were you were? do you feel like as a child you were just going through the motions? It's definitely more kind of going through the motions Uh the more I kind of learned about Islam and what it entailed and just the atmosphere around it the The less I was really inclined towards it. Uh There's one instance in particular I was at the mosque about 10 years old as a little skater kid and I'd wear like, you know, Volcom shirts <laughs> that were um so American so American had like the mop <laughs> top, long hair and everything, wore beanies to the mosque. And one wow, day... <laughs> yeah. That was fine? Wow. No? Uh, no you got to look in? You got to talk into him? Yeah. One day I was wearing this <laughs> Vulcan shirt. It was a very innocent shirt. It just had a picture of like people skateboarding on it. And the imam, basically the, the priest or preacher uh, of the mosque, he comes up to me <laughs> and he goes, Brother... Do you know what Ihtara means? And, and I'm like, no. <laughs> and he says, well, it means respect. And this is the house of Allah. And if my son were wearing that shirt in the house of Allah, I would be smacking him. Oh, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and your folks were fine with you doing this, uh, clearly? Uh, my uh, They've been divorced for a while. My mom, thankfully, is pretty moderate, pretty liberal, Uh and, you know, thank goodness my dad's been out of the picture because he's not. Uh, but, yeah, no, she... My mom and that part of our family has always just been like, eh, you know, just pray, don't eat pork, don't drink, and don't kill people. Which, sure, I mean, I can live with that. But, uh, obviously, you know, I don't pray. I drink. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't can... say I'm going to kill anybody. But <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's good to know.
1: Um, as a child growing up were you were you doing the praying
2: consistently were you abiding by the rules yeah actually there was a little while there it was probably like between ages like 11 and 14 we'll say um i think it was my grandma got this book called the everything Quran and islam book and it was a pretty digestible uh way to you know read islam without knowing arabic or the Quran. Um, I read that book and I was intrigued and more int- more than intrigued, I was actually just kind of scared because there's a whole chapter that talks about the end of the world and what happens to you when you die and when you die if you're not a believer. And it says you get the crap kicked out of you in the grave, and then the fun starts on the Day of Judgment. And, you know, eternal torture and hellfire, damnation, you know. Your skin gets melted off, and then it regenerates only to be melted off again. (laughs) By the way, disbelief in Islam is a greater sin than murder. Um, uh, And I was... Kind of terrified. So for those few years, I would pray. I'm like, I can't piss off Allah. Like he can, <laughs> he can see, he watches me. Like yeah. he knows. Um, it sounds like
1: the Book of Revelation, to be honest with you. It's, it's read similar. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's some fire and brimstone there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so between you know, as a as a younger pre-adolescent, uh, pre-teen into your early teens, the. The philosophy of Islam has kind of scared you into practicing it to some degree, because yeah. for fear of you know the the consequences of not doing so. Right? Is that what
2: you're saying? Yeah, and uh, Islam, in particularly, so is very good at that. Um, the word Islam itself translates; uh, it's often mistranslated as peace, uh, which isn't true. The word salam means peace, but Islam translates to submission. And that's exactly what it basically is. It's total submission. Everything you do is Islam. Uh, You wake up in the morning, the prayers you say. I mean, the fact that you have to pray five times a day, like sunrise, afternoon, like lunch, sunset, night, like um, you're submitting to the will of Allah. Allah knows best. No one else knows anything. Um, And, you know, you're a slave. So I want to. So we're going through chronologically. I'm trying to see
1: where the the first chinks in the armor came. Yeah. So we have scared straight enough <laughs> as like a, an early teen. Yeah. So then what happens so at 14 or 15? Like what's what's starting to happen? Are you thinking more about it? Are you
2: are you becoming less scared? So 15 to we'll say 18 high school. Um, excuse me. I uh, basically experienced high school. Like most uh, American teenagers, I'd, you know... Uh, go. Skating. Yeah, skating. Playing in a band. Yeah, doing yeah basically. <laughs> uh, I listened to a lot of, like, rock and metal and punk music. And, uh, and that was cool. I kind of really just liked the whole counterculture of everything at the time. Uh, and at the time, I'm like, yeah, I'm still Muslim. And during that time in high school... Wait, wait, wait. So... As a high schooler, if somebody asks you,
1: "Are you religious?" you would say, "I'm a Muslim."
2: Yes. Okay. So you uh, still
1: you're, identi- you're still self identifying. Yeah. Are you practicing as much as when you were when you were scared straight?
2: <laughs> um, too,
1: or too much skateboarding going on to practice yeah, like that, right? Got to get my <laughs>
2: kickflips and. Uh, there definitely still practicing to a lesser extent, but I was definitely pretty vocal. I uh, more in the. Political realm of Islam, where I didn't know why. For some reason, I was obsessed with Palestine. Uh, again, I can't tell you why. It's like, oh, I'm a Muslim. They're Muslims. Uh, these are my brothers. Apparently, they're being persecuted. Screw the Jews. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was uh, I was very active. I went to all of these, you know, free Palestine marches, where they incidentally chanted the destruction of Jews in Israel. But uh. I'd go to all these, I'm like, yeah, I'm a Muslim, these are my brethren, and, you know, they're oppressed or something, and, uh, pretty vocal on that front, uh, very apologetic towards, uh, things like jihadism, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, if you didn't kick the hornet's nest kind of deal, um, this is up until probably the end of high school, and then more recently, it was 2013, uh, so that would have been like the year after my senior year of high school. Uh, that was when the Charlie Hebdo attacks happened, and that was oh, the real turning point. Right. Right. Point
1: oh, okay. So this was the this was the breaking point. This, this is the, the breaking point. This is a little, uh, you know, <laughs> p- puncture in the eye hole, and you're like, now you're a little bit, you're seeing a little bit of stuff you hadn't seen before. So, Charlie, why don't you quickly explain the Charlie Hebdo attacks?
2: This is in Paris, France. Yeah. Uh, very, you know, succinctly, uh, the Sh- Charlie Hebdo is. Uh, They've been around since 1969, and they're a French satirical magazine. Uh, the whole tradition of it is just being very crass and crude. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've endlessly lampooned the Catholic Church, you know, rightfully so. Uh, any institution, you name it, Charlie Hebdo's come after them. Uh, yeah, and they're basically always punching up. Yeah. Like big they... <laughs> institutions, yeah, from my understanding. Yeah, yeah. and in, in fact, they identify themselves as being like a left-wing anti-racist publication. And one day they decided to draw a cartoon of uh, the Prophet Muhammad, which was met with 12 of their cartoonists being gunned down by two members of Al-Qaeda in Yemen who were, you know, running through the streets shouting, this is for our prophet, we have avenged him, and so on and so forth. We've, you know, killed the infidels, whatever. And the thing that kind of made the gears turn for me was that even being, you know... Pretty Muslim, still uh, self-identifying. Yeah, at the yeah. Time, if somebody were to ask absolutely. you, absolutely. Um, and even being somebody pretty, you know, pretty far on the political left, uh, I did still care about things like free speech, uh, just because I've heard enough stories from my immigrant parents about you know why we should cherish such a thing. And then it more and more, I was kind of split because half of my family—not my immediate family, but close circles and uh, distant family—they were saying. Things more on the lines of, well, you know, they shouldn't have drawn the prophet. They had it coming to them. How dare they insult our dear leader? And then the other half of my other circles, uh, including my more immediate family, were like, it doesn't matter what they said or drew. Like, 13 people are dead because of cartoons that they drew. Uh, 12 cartoonists and one Muslim police officer, actually, in France. And They're dead because someone drew a cartoon in the non-Muslim, secular, free Republic of France. And then I'm like, okay, that's, screw that, right? Like, that's, and then the next gear to turn was, wait a minute. Why were they yelling that they've avenged the prophet? Uh, In my head, I'm like, isn't God, isn't Allah greater than a cartoon? Like, aren't Muslims Mm -hmm. greater than a caricature? And... This is around the time that ISIS uh, was gaining more prominence, uh, not just in like Iraq and Syria, but this is kind of the peak from 2013 to 2015 in Europe of like ISIS attacks, basically. And just very basic reading about ISIS, uh, you kind of realize they don't get their ideas from nowhere, right? They didn't invent them yesterday they always have really long scriptural explanations quotes from the prophet muhammad quotes from the quran about why they did what they did and if you're sh- paying attention to all of this like ebdo is kind of like a is the
1: catalyst for you paying where you you're paying yeah. more attention to world affairs at this point and like reading more into this stuff yeah cuz now you're like trying to you're 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 skeptical or you're
2: you're you're curious maybe you're curious uh, you're a little word, bit curious yeah, yeah. Um, Because even so, even having to digest like, oh, you know, the prophet Muhammad wasn't exactly Buddha. uh, It was hard to digest. You know, you grow up in this. This is your family, your circles, your culture, everything you know is dictated by this. And then all of a sudden some uncomfortable truths come around. And then, you know, you're feeling cognitive dissonance. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, wait, like if I admit that Muhammad wasn't, a swell guy like am i damned to eternal you know your skin burning off? yeah
1: you're remembering what you read when you were a preteen yeah, like, like that shit's going to come get you
2: and th- <laughs> uh at that point uh i was exposed just through you know uh one youtube related video leading to the next uh i found figures like uh Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins the famous you know new atheists or whatever and more than any of them uh From a scientific, uh, rationalist perspective, they all were, like, very enlightening. I'm like, this is, you know, very reassuring uh, that there are people out there who could be very confident in their disbelief and, you know, be good people. Uh, (laughs) So your
1: curiosity and your cognitive dissonance leads you to some of the new atheists rather than, let's say, I don't know, like some other religion or... Um, maybe just like not being anything and getting into something else. And so, what, what, like it's kind of interesting that you went to the the hardcore new atheists. Yeah. What, what um, was that? What, what was that all about? So, there's
2: kind of two dimensions that made me kind of leave Islam altogether. The first is like the immorality of the actual scripts and texts and history of you know their figureheads like Muhammad. And the other part was more just as a Scientific rationalist thing where, uh, after I kind of learned more about ISIS, where they got their ideas and stuff, I actually decided to read the Quran, you know, as the English translation as best as I could. And there's some things in there that I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Um, The earth is flat. It says that in the Quran. Um, (laughs) The OG flat earthers. The OG flat earthers from (laughs) the seventh century. Uh, not in the Quran, but a hadith, which is basically the sayings and traditions of the prophet, which is almost equally revered, says, not only the earth is flat, but to kill those who don't believe the earth is flat. Um. Yikes. Globalists. <laughs> uh, Soros and his, uh, Muhammad money. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I... I read the Quran as best I could. I studied a bit about the Prophet Muhammad. I didn't like what I read. Uh, in either case, the morality of Muhammad and his ilk and the, forgive me, bullshit of the Quran. Uh, and then uh, there was one line. It was You could find the YouTube video. It's Christopher Hitchens, and he's debating some cocky audience member in, in a burqa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Typical, standard. Yeah, and she during the Q&A, she raises her hand, and she's like, well did you really have to call your book God is not great, which is the literal negation of Allah Akbar, which is God is great. (laughs) And he said, yes. And here's why. Uh, Let's get the record straight here. Uh, 7th century warlord with five wives, one of them being a nine-year-old. He's illiterate. He can't read and write. And he lives in the desert. And he has these revelations from the creator of the universe, who, by the way, only speaks Arabic. And he's able to recite this perfectly. And his followers are able to write this down letter and word for all of, for, to be the perfect guiding text for humanity for all. I mean, don't waste my time, right? It's bullshit. Uh, you could have you would have lost me at the first part of that where a wandering <laughs> illiterate warlord in the desert full stop no. yeah, um, the t l d r of the whole religion yeah, kind then of you, just like <laughs> you dig a little deeper and then you read about the time when Muhammad himself beheaded six hundred Jews and took the women as sex slaves uh again, not exactly buddha uh not exactly jesus um so yeah um so that you're you're
1: do you remember, was there an instance where suddenly you're like, I am not a Muslim
2: anymore? Like, is, do you remember a specific moment or was it like a a, a process? Yeah, it was very gradual. Um, if there was one moment, it would have been over the course of like two days for me to actually just convince myself. Uh,
1: like watching videos or reading stuff,
2: that kind of... Uh, even without any of that, it took a while for me to just tell myself, look, you have all this in your head and on your side, like you're going to have to... We get it. You grew up with this, but at some point you're going to have to be like, look, maybe everything I grew up with was, uh, I won't say wrong, but uh, misguided. Um, mm-hmm. Not coming from a place that lines up with my personal ideals and values. Yeah. Let me take this moment to plug Death Storage in. <laughs>
0: we need a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, uh, yeah, let me just ask one follow-up to that. So <laughs> yeah. like you're describing that feeling. Um, do you feel like, you know, a, a feeling that feeling of losing that foundation, uh, did that feel like you were kind of having to build, now, now you have to build something back up again? Or do you feel like you're
2: sort of empty or lost? So, is that feeling occurring? For a moment there, absolutely. Um, There's a whole sense of community, you know, associated with your religion. And I think this is true of all religions. Uh, You belong to a church. These are the people in your circles and so on and so forth. Maybe it was a little easier because of that Ichteran guy who (laughs) kind of put me off a bit. But but even so, um, in the community, uh, certainly not the case now, but at the time, Uh, everything about my personal views and what I really felt I kind of had to conceal uh, from my immediate circles. Um, Thankfully, this doesn't happen much here in the U.S., but uh, in Islam, apostasy and leaving Islam is punishable by death, which is why there are 13, maybe 14 countries that I can't visit just because they'll kill me. (laughs) Um,
0: So um, I'd like to jump in and, and go back just a couple of steps to... When you're talking about the Quran, things that are listed in the Quran, yeah, there are a lot of people, including myself, who have left Christianity, but I still find values uh, portrayed in the Bible as yeah. very useful and still honorable things, honorable teachings. And a lot of people say, like, yes, um, I support Jesus, just not the church. Like, I, yeah. I liked that guy. Or even agnostics and atheists will revere Jesus and his teachings and work. I'm wondering are there any lessons from the Quran or from your upbringing in Islam that you do still hold dear that had a positive effect on you?
2: Yeah, um, I don't want to, you know, I hate to admit this but the things in Islam that I do revere are incidentally kind of plagiarisms of the other Abrahamic faiths which might be plagiarisms of the other ones, right? Um and they're very they're kind of inconsequential. Like there's things in Islam that say, you know, at the end of the day just respect your parents. And it's like, yeah, you know, I can mostly get behind that. Uh There are things that say um you know, people <laughs> people always use this as a justification for why Islam is peaceful, but there's some scripture out there that says um Muhammad never waged war on trees. Uh, and you should, uh, you should strive to protect trees because trees are a good thing. And I'm like, yes, Islam, I like trees. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, actually, uh, what you were describing earlier uh, of people, agnostic, agnostics and atheists even, who might not believe in the message or the scripture, but who believe in the ideals of someone like Christ, um, whether or not he existed, which I think there's ample evidence that, he, that says he did, um, you could, you know, essentially at the end of the day, Christ was kind of a Jewish hippie that people got fed up with because he was probably speaking in poems, and they're like, yeah, dude, we'll take the murderer, man, just get this Jesus guy away from us, get this this hippie out of here, and... uh <laughs> But the wandering Jewish hippie was not a bad guy. Love thy neighbor, forgive thy enemy. Yeah, there's all this weird Corinthians, Leviticus stuff, but I hang out with lepers and prostitutes, and I think they're great people. Like, yeah, Jesus, I'd probably hang out with Jesus today. I would not hang out with Muhammad today. Um, (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, uh, that's... The analogy, it's it's a good one. It's uh, Sam Harris, I think, was the first to kind of bring it to my attention. But religion is kind of like a term, like sports. You got sports like yoga, (laughs) and then you have sports like judo and rugby. Likewise, you have religions like Jainism and Buddhism, and then you have Sunni Islam. Uh, You know. The more radical and extreme that a Buddhist or a Jain gets, the less you have to worry about them because the fundamental message of those religions is, you know, peace. Uh, The middle ground, not too much, not too little. The fundamental message of Islam is submission to make the world submit. Uh, There cannot be the redemption and salvation of the good Muslims into heaven until... You're all Muslims, or at least until uh, the Holy Land of Jerusalem is Muslim. Uh, but different religions, different figures, different... I don't believe in the theology of any of them, but I think there's plenty of religions, and even some parts of Islam included, that do have a lot of valuable things, or some valuable things. <laughs> Trees.
0: And, yes, thank goodness for that saving grace <laughs> yeah. in the in the in those scriptures. Um <laughs> So, another trend that I think a lot of people know about is that uh, organized religion is on the decline in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I th- While I haven't dug too deep into the specifics on that, is your generation, our generation, and upcoming generations tending to veer away from this structured re- religion of Islam, much like a lot of Christians are trending away from it?
2: Yeah. Um, certainly with Islam, um, you see this more in other countries, uh, in America, like you're free to be a pretty radical Muslim, uh, and you know, freedom of religion, do your thing. But, uh, Iran today, most of the people in Iran, actually more than half the people are under 35 today. And every single Iranian I've ever met, very, you know, liberal minded, secular, um, even if they're Muslims, right? Like they're... They're, they're basically humanists at the end of the day, and especially using a place like Iran as a case study. They are basically just slaves of their theocratic government, um, whether they're Muslims or not, uh, whether they're devout or not. They want to be humans before they want to be Muslims, but they, they don't really have the capacity to do that because they're still run by a bunch of ayatollahs and mullahs. Um, But the momentum from the bottom up is really strong right now. Um, I think places like that are on the verge of a revolution. In the case of Iran, I think they're kind of skeptical because last time what happened was basically this. They're liberal young people who want a revolution. They have the revolution and then it gets hijacked by the radical Islamists. And now you have Iran today. And uh, Christopher Hitchens used this term, he called it the baby boomerang of people who were born and in the immediate wake of the iran iraq War under the Ayatollahs. Because they lost so many people, the government was paying out stipends for families to have more kids. So they're born into these families of six to eight children, only to grow up hating the Ayatollahs and the revolution that they were born under, and... I think most of them want another one. Uh, same is true in like Saudi Arabia, even in Bangladesh. There's journalists, there's even just bloggers that just want to express free their free speech, but they're hacked to death by radical Muslims for trying to do that.
1: I have a more personal question for you. Have you what sort of uh, consequences or ramifications have you had in your personal life as a result? Or, or, or is, actually, is this
2: secret out? Like, does your family, yeah. close uh, friends know? They all yeah, know. Um, most of my family, thankfully, they they get it. Um, they don't well, like how it.
1: have you framed it? Like when you when when did you approach them and tell them? Like was this like a thing a thing you were planning? Was this a big deal, or did, did it you just kind of like blurt it out one day at dinner? <laughs> yeah, it was
2: kind of like uh, for like most of my life at the time, I basically assumed okay, I'm just not going to let the cat out of the bag. And it was one day actually, my mom was like scolding my sister and I for like smoking weed in the garage or something. <laughs> and she's just going on a rant. She's like, oh, your grades are suffering, which, by the way, we're Bs. But uh, <laughs> that is if suffering. you do not get straight um your grades are suffering. You're out, like, hanging out with these hoodlums. And I already know that your religion doesn't mean anything to you. And that was the moment where I'm like, it doesn't. Like, oh, you wow. know, it's, uh, <laughs> Impromptu. Yeah, and uh, wow. it was really just being riled up. up. She kind of yeah. Wow. And, uh, and
1: How can... long had you kept this a secret before this happened? For like two Year, years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. Um. And and up to that point, you just like were like, I'm gonna go to my grave like
2: this, like she'll never know. I maybe I assumed that one day I would like write a column or something, and she <laughs> might read it, and uh, and then we might have a discussion when I'm like 40. <laughs> but uh,
0: what what did it feel like when you did say that?
2: Liberating. It, uh, <laughs> it was like the liberation of the Dachau concentration camp. Yeah, that's I, a big uh, secret. Yeah. And what was more really refreshing and kind of comforting was that she was actually, she actually wanted to like just talk for a minute and like ask why instead of being, because I, I have plenty of friends and uh, people who, you know, friends, who I, acquaintances who I haven't quite met in person across the world, but their experiences go more like I came out to my family and they sent people after me. So I had to move to a different country Wow! or I had to go live with my uncle or something like that. And thankfully I wasn't in that position. And at the end of the day, my family basically came around and they're like, look, we get it. We know where you're coming from. We think, you know, you're of sound mind, even though we didn't before. Um, just be careful. Um, Much of the reason for them saying that is just the nature of my work. Uh, I work for basically a counter-Islamist think tank that kind of monitors the stuff here in the U.S. And, you know, that kind of work warrants a fair amount of, like, Twitter death threats, which are usually written by people in the deserts of Pakistan or something, who, whatever. But I get where they're coming from. Yeah. They... On the one side, yeah, they don't like that somebody in their family is shitting on their religion. Whatever. Get over it. But the other part, I get it. You don't want some jihadist to come read my article and decide I'm a target or whatever. You want to be able to walk through your own country freely. I get that. Um, It is a threat. It is something pretty real.
1: What do you consider yourself right now? If somebody would say, hey, are you religious? Do you
2: practice something? What would you say? Uh, I'd say I'm a strong agnostic uh for a minute there uh, I went through what many people go through your college atheist phase yeah, where you're exactly. like oh, fuck god god yeah. ruins everything the the, everything. the atheist evangelist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at some point I'm like you know I might not agree with the church or whatever institution of religion but maybe they've had 2000 years or 6000 years to think about some of these things when I've had less than you know less than 50 um maybe so religion, again, is kind of a weird term. You could get rid of things like organized Abrahamic religion, right? I think society, as you said, is headed that way. But there are other things that take the place of religion in society. And today, I kind of want to pin that to this new, and I'll absolutely call it a religion of woke social justice progressivism, They have their own set of blasphemy laws. They have their own set of principles. They have their own set of enemies. They have their own set of heretics. Uh, This is orthodox. This is blasphemy. This is sacred. This is, Mm -hmm. and usually the thing that is unholy is like a joke, right?
1: Mm -hmm. I people have called it the cathedral. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and and that's basically it. It's basically it. it. Yeah, and it's happened in history too. Uh, I don't like religious societies. I don't like theocracies. I like secular societies, but when you go too far, not particularly in the direction of secularism, but in the direction of anti, anti-philosophical moral guiding structures, we'll say, something else is going to fill that vacuum. In the past, it's been communism, where the state becomes a religion, and today I think it's becoming where... Halo polishing and virtue signaling that the new religion is not I am a believer in God. It's the new religion is (laughs) I am an anti-racist, anti-fascist, anti-sexist, anti-xenophobic, anti-xenophobic, anti-islamophobic, whatever else and I think that church is the one that's really wreaking more havoc with the best intentions today.
0: Thanks for listening to part one. We'll be back with part two soon. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Longo We appreciate your support. We'll talk to you soon.